I think a number of us could use a little fishing about this time. We were glad to see the ice go off the lakes this week, and I know my boat's in the garage at, at my house. I'm going to be going over it and hoping to get out this coming week and, and do some fishing. This has been a stressful time, and if there's one thing in life that uh, seems to calm uh stress as long as you don't have any boat trouble it's 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 fishing and so today we are going to be looking at the way that uh, God inspired John the apostle to end his wonderful account of the life and ministry of Jesus and it's going to end where his ministry began at least his ministry with his disciples a beautiful spot along the Sea of Galilee and and as as it happens I want you to notice a couple things I want you to notice how um, how we see the holiness of Jesus, but also his beautiful humanness as he, as he meets his disciples to, again, just reinforce the, the resurrection, the fact that he was, that he is still alive. And, and that was important for them. And it's important for us too. And also he does a beautiful job of reassuring and kind of, uh, uh, of, uh, renewing his relationship with his disciple Peter who, as we'll see, had had a really uh, painful moment in his relationship with Jesus. He's going to be able to kind of deal with that question, are we still good? As I'm sure Peter was wondering that. And then lastly, we are going to hear Jesus again, looking towards the future, invite uh, his disciples to continue to come and follow him. So I'm going to be reading from John chapter 21, beginning with verse 1, reading in Jesus' name. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way, Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out fishing, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. A friend of mine, uh, Pastor Kirk Militzer, uh, once told me that, well, he didn't just tell me, he told our congregation that the 11th commandment is thou shalt not bore. And I know what he meant. He meant that certainly in teaching confirmation or whatever, that if we are boring kids, we're, we're doing a disservice to Jesus. Because Jesus, of all things, was not boring. 
And when we notice that as Jesus now is uh, in this um, important moment between his resurrection and returning to heaven, as, as he is, uh, again, preparing a group of ordinary guys uh, to, to change the world with uh, the message of what Jesus has done for us, that, that Jesus finds just a delightful way to meet them again. And, and we find him back uh, by the Sea of Galilee where his ministry started. At the end of Matthew's gospel, we find that through the women, who were the witnesses at the tomb, uh, the disciples were, were instructed to go to Galilee, where Jesus would, would again appear to them or meet them. So they did. And they waited. And they waited. Well, Peter had enough waiting. So he said, I'm going fishing. And six of his friends decided to go with him. And, uh, and they fish all night. They get skunked. Then they hear a voice from the shore with some advice about another approach to fishing. So the guys uh, take, take the advice of, of, the, of the stranger on the shore. They drop their nets on the other side of the boat and they can't get the, the, the fish in the boat. And, and it's John who describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loves that has the aha moment. He says, you know, this is deja vu all over again. We've lived through this. We fished all night. We got skunked. Somebody from the shore gave us some advice. And we could hardly get the net in. It's the Lord. So Peter, uh, being Peter, he takes off or puts his clothes back on and jumps in the water and heads to shore. Can't you almost hear Jesus chuckling as he's watching this happening? Jesus loved these guys. And they loved him. This is a moment, it would be an important moment, but we can't miss the fact that this is a moment that's full of joy and it's full of life. This is a rich moment because Jesus is right in the middle of it. The memory that John was recalling had happened about three years ago. It's recorded for us in Luke chapter 5. Jesus was beginning to capture the hearts of the people and, and they, they crowded around the lake and, and, and so Jesus asked to borrow a boat and he pushed offshore just a little while, little while. It happened to be Simon Peter's boat and, 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 and Peter gladly, uh, loaned it to Jesus. After all, they'd been doing nothing but washing their nets. And after Jesus shared what was on his heart with the people, he looked to Simon and said, Hey, why don't you push out a ways and, and let's let the nets down. Let's go where it's a little deeper. Here was a, a, a carpenter from Nazareth giving Peter fishing advice. My word, he was a commercial fisherman. He grew up on the lake. He said, Master, we worked hard all night. We caught nothing. But because you say so, I will. And they pushed out. And we, we know the story that, that the net went down. And Peter tried to bring it up. And he couldn't. He called for his friends. And, and it was almost tearing as they pulled it into the boat. And it's interesting Peter's reaction at that point. We see a man, although he is, he is full of life and full of leadership and, and a hard charger, but with a very tender spirit. He says to Jesus as he falls on his knees in the boat, away from me, away from me, for I am a sinful man. Aware in that moment of the holiness of Jesus. And Peter aware of not only his humanness, but his sin. What does Jesus say to him? He says, come, follow me. From now on, you will fish for people. And so their life together began. 
And what a life it would be. They would be transformed as, 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 they, as Jesus poured into them, teaching them and showing them the, the kingdom of God. They, they tasted its goodness. They felt its struggle. Yeah, life with Jesus was never boring. Was never boring. And if you were going to look at a highlight reel of those three important years that changed their lives and eventually changed the world, with Jesus being at the center of the change, you would see that all of them were involved, but very often you'd find Peter there, in, 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 often in the forefront of the story. And, uh, and, and you'd find him in those highlights, but you'd also find him in the lowlights, uh, the bloopers. You see, Peter had many moments where, uh, where he ran ahead of himself or talked ahead of himself and, and found himself, well, shall we say, not being proud of what happened or Jesus' reaction to it. But that was Peter. Jesus loved Peter. Peter loved Jesus. And he was changing a man from the inside out as he was pouring his tr- grace and truth into his life. Peter was uh, the one who, when he saw Jesus walking on the water, said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And he steps out onto the water. Wow. And he walks a ways until he takes his eyes off Jesus, of course, and, and he sees the waves around him and he begins to sink. And we hear those emotional words, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches down and says to his friend, why did you have such little faith? It was, it was Peter that uh, when he heard Jesus talk about, about the kingdom of God and saw what he was doing, Jesus said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter confessed him. He was the first one to confess Jesus as the Christ. God was at work in his heart and in his life. Jesus said, oh, that's the kind of faith that I'm going to build my church on, Peter. Then Jesus went on to talk about his journey to the cross, and Peter would have none of it. He said, Lord, that won't happen to you. You won't go to the cross. We aren't going to let it happen. Jesus said to his friend, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but you have in mind the things of man. How humbling that must have been. And as Jesus' passion uh, was now upon them that night before Jesus would, would eventually be arrested and go to the cross, he spent that tender evening with them. He, he shared the Last Supper. He, he washed the disciples' feet. When he came to Peter, Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And of course, Jesus said, well, then you'll have no part of me. And Peter said, well, then wash all of me. You know, this was a, this was a beautiful relationship between Jesus and Peter and this one's not all on Peter, but as Jesus went out to pray before he was arrested, he asked his three close friends, closest friends, Peter and James and John, to just be with him while he prayed. And of course, they fell asleep. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter sprung into action. He took out a, a knife or a sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. Not a good move. Jesus healed the man's ear as Peter and the disciples disappeared into the night. Yet it was the moment that happened after Jesus' arrest that had to be on Peter's mind that day as as they were by the Sea of Galilee, as he had jumped into the water and swum to shore. For that night, Jesus uh, knew well, Peter knew well, that Peter, who had been so bold and said, we'll never let this happen to you, 
Jesus knew this was going to happen. He said in Luke chapter 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison or to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny three times that you know me. So as he's uh, remembering that moment and painfully remembering what follows, later there in that same chapter we read, Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also were one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, he, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. So back to Jesus by the lake. It had now been a while since that happened. It had been three years since he first called the disciples to follow him, probably in very close to that very spot. John, the disciple that Jesus loved, knows what's going on. Can you imagine how Jesus was enjoying this? Peter now knows what's going on and the others are drying themselves off and settling in by the fire. Don't think of Jesus as boring. Remember how delightful our master is. Think of him making a shore breakfast, looking forward to seeing his friends again. It was important that they see him as another evidence of the resurrection that would shape history. But what a fun way to make that happen. By the lake where they first met Jesus, when he said, come and follow me, talking over fresh fish cooked over an open fire and warm bread. Enjoying these guys he loved so much. This is what our Lord is like. His friends didn't handle the stress of his death perfectly. He knew that they wouldn't. He had appeared a couple times already to them. But no doubt, he was alive. But he had another purpose in this visit. And it had to do with his friend Peter. There was that moment under the stress of Jesus' suffering and death that Peter had made a bold statement that he would be strong for Jesus. And he wasn't strong at all. So, he asked Peter to go for a walk along the lake. I think Peter was pretty eager to go on that walk, no doubt a bit apprehensive after what they had been through together. They would have an important, powerful, beautiful, healing conversation. It's no stretch to assume that this conversation was set in the context of that evening when Peter promised, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. 
In the words of Paul Lewis Metzger in his commentary on John, the bad news is that Peter does disown Jesus. The good news is that Jesus never disowned Peter. But Peter doesn't really know this yet. While Jesus has risen from the dead, there is still a lingering feeling that Peter has not risen from his failures. Hear the words of John 21, beginning with verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter, who had struggled with an overestimation of his own self, commending himself, even when everybody bails, you can count on me, Jesus. Like we do at times, overestimating our capacity and how crushing it is when that overconfidence, that bravado is humbled or even humiliated. Then we tend to swing towards condemnation. Peter condemning himself. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. Not because of who we are at our best, but of who we are at our weakest. That's why our hope is to look to Jesus, who humbles us when we're prone to commend ourselves and rescues us when we're prone to condemn ourselves. What does condemning ourselves and commending ourselves have in common? The focus is on ourselves. Our hope for redemption comes when we, when we turn our eyes away and turn them to the one who calls us in the gospel to follow him. And when we stumble, he meets us with the law that addresses our pride and with a gospel that redeems us from our despair. Did Jesus and Peter at this moment, when, when Jesus had, had not only asked Peter, do you love me? Peter, this isn't about your performance. It's about us. It's about you. It's about me. Peter, do you love me? And then he didn't say, I never hope this happens again. What were you thinking? He said, feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Peter, I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> Did Jesus and Peter hug it out at this time? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking they probably did. I don't know how to say it in Aramaic or Greek or whatever language they would have used, but I can't imagine that Peter didn't look at Jesus and wonder, are we good? Oh, what a wonderful reality to know that between Peter and Jesus, things were good. You guys, this is why Jesus came. We're going to have our Peter moments. 
We're going to have maybe even big ones. Or maybe a collection of the little ones. But there can be a time when, we, when we're, we're, we're beset with a nagging sense of, how are things? Are we good? The reason Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and rose again is not because of who we are at our best, but who we are at our weakest. Yes, Peter disowned Jesus. Jesus did not disown Peter. That's the radical love that God brings into our lives as we turn to him and trust him. Oh, I can, I can just see Jesus smiling and saying, yes, Peter, we're still good. I called you with a purpose. I said I would make you a fisher of men. I said that on a faith like yours, I will build my church. Peter, I meant it. I'm going to. Let's learn from this moment. This failure is not final. This is part, an important part of you learning that to walk with me is to trust me, to lean into me, and not be embarrassed or afraid to admit that apart from me, you aren't strong. But with me, you're just fine. So it doesn't take long after this moment to realize that, that Peter still had a few things to learn from Jesus. Let's look at how this uh, scripture closes in John uh, 21, beginning with verse 18. Uh, we read, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, Jesus said to Peter. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's gonna be, uh, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? <laughs> Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. Jesus did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. <laughs> so Jesus helped Peter with this issue of commending himself. He helped Peter with the natural result of our failure, and that's condemning himself. And now at, at the close, he helps Peter with something lots of us can identify with, and that is comparing himself with others. You know, Peter would, he, he would be lifted up. He, his arms would be stretched out. Peter would die like his Savior. Church history in many different references refer to Peter's death in about 64 AD, not long after Paul's death, as a death that would be on a cross. Some of the writers actually say that Peter did not want to die like his Savior. He didn't feel worthy, so he was crucified upside down. Whether that happened or not, Peter caught, the, caught the, 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 the privilege and the glory of serving Jesus even unto death. 
He understood what Jesus said when, when Jesus said that, that, that by his death, Jesus would be glorified. Peter was not ashamed to die like his Savior. He just wondered if John was going to suffer the same fate. Oh, Peter. Well, we don't look at those around us and compare. We don't look at ourselves and commend ourselves or condemn ourselves. We look to Jesus, and there we find hope. I share this because uh, a lot of us have been under stress during this pandemic. Maybe you have. Maybe it wasn't a Maybe it wasn't a big blow-up, a big fail like Peter's, but you've been living with an undertow, maybe wondering if things are good between you and someone you love, or maybe wondering about how things are, if you and God are good. I just want to remind you that you have a Savior that loves you, who came to minister forgiveness as you turn to Him and seek His mercy. Like He loved His disciples, He loves you. And so today we can rejoice in the Savior that says, Do you love me? It's about a relationship with me. And then he trusts us with doing his will in this broken world. Amen.